Hello, and welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church, two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Kevin Sheehan, Associate Pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Curtis, Pastor of Decision Life Church in Wairika, California. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. So, Matt, I forgot to tell you, um, I got a I got a text from my sister, my little sister, Mindy, right? Yes, that's right. And good old, here, good old Mindy. Here's here's what she wrote. <laughs> uh, her daughter, uh, my teenage niece, uh, Ada, and I listened to Matt and Kevin talk church the whole way back from their trip uh, to Northern Virginia, and we're split on the question of who's the bigger nerd. <laughs> so we so, have the. Our poll question is tearing families apart, Matt. Well, the the, the Twitter poll was in, and it was sixty forty. I, uh, I apparently am the bigger nerd according to Twitter, so I'm a little that that stings a little bit, but but uh, there we are. Yeah. Well, so Twitter um, never Twitter's never wrong, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So apparently, my niece was quote flabbergasted about the Russian history, but my sister voted for you, so. <laughs> So, so Mindy I, thinks I'm the, Mindy thinks I'm the bigger nerd. I know. Mindy, um, that hurts a little bit. Like I, I thought we were cool. I thought we're I'm a little surprised by that. But that's like but my niece thinks I'm the bigger nerd. What we nerd. need is for Peggy Peggy Ramble the way in. That's the <laughs> so, I'm not the cool <laughs> uncle anymore. Well, but uh my sister did say that I'm the only uncle whose podcast my niece listens to. So I got that going for me. Well, there you go. I mean yeah, I do think we need to find your niece a hobby potentially, but <laughs> like do play tennis or something, kiddo. But anyway, um, too much free time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out by the way to uh, my little sister, and uh, warning by the way to the Central Shenandoah Valley because my little sister's son now has his driver's license. How well, is it possible that like Mindy has a son old enough to like have a driver's license? Like that just seems these things happen. I think of her I, I still think of her as, you know, little Mindy, I guess. But anyway. <laughs> right. She's she's not fifteen anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mindy, I'm wounded. I'm just a little hurt. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So moving on. How do we come back from this? I, I, I don't, don't know, know what to do. <laughs> but it's I mean Yeah. So so you're wearing your 49ers hoodie. I am, you. yes. You seen any good sports lately? Are you, have you shifted gears now from baseball to football? No, I'm still like following the playoffs pretty closely. I, of course, it was heartbreaking. And by the way, that was he did not swing at that last pitch. That was a terrible, terrible, terrible call. But that's not why they lost. Yeah. Congratulations to the Dodgers. I mean, it was a great season and a great series. I had a really great time. And now the Braves are up 2 nothing against the Dodgers. And I'm just really enjoying that. Bill Stutzman, if you're listening to this, go Braves. You're not listening, but you might be. Um Go Braves, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm still very much interested in the outcome of the playoffs, and of course the the Red Sox are yeah still in it, and yeah. so and the I think Sox. it's what as of today it's one one Houston one, one. And, they play again tonight, yeah, yeah. So it's one team that cheats against another team that cheats, and so we'll just see oh, somebody salty, but, but it's but it's <laughs> we'll just see what happens. But no, no, I'm kidding. But somebody's salty. Pulling for the socks in that series for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I I will say it was really, really fun to see Fenway Park just like full and rocking. And that cr- that, that crowd was awesome. 
like in yeah. the Rays series. Yeah. They were they were on their game. It was really fun to see. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun. Everyone's gonna think this is big. Have we yeah. transitioned to a sports podcast? Is that what we've become? But well, it's, it's fall. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Like I give you a hard time about baseball and all that, but yep. I love know, it. You know I'm a baseball fan. You are. I you just, are. you know, I don't get to watch it much during the year, but I certainly yeah. follow it. And now seeing Fenway in October is just a good good thing. Good thing for it's my a, soul. It's a good feeling for sure. Yeah. 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 So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And my football team's not doing so hot. So, you know. Man, that was a brutal loss yesterday. Yeah. So we're recording this uh, October 18th. Yeah. Patriots are two and four, but they're probably like the best two and four team i've ever seen <laughs> that's a very j batch statement <laughs> which dude. is a, that, that that is the most that is the j batchiest statement of all that's time. the silver lining statement but i mean they've <laughs> had like three losses they lost by one point in the last minute they lost to tampa bay on a last second field goal that doinked off the uprights yeah they lost in overtime yesterday i mean like they've been super close against like the bucks who are potentially going to the super bowl the cowboys who are a really really good team they've only lost to the bucks they they look um, like the uh the cowboys of old so like yeah. i don't know the patriots they're they're in there i think they're close For they sure. got a rookie they got a rookie quarterback yeah so yeah. i don't know they've had a ton of injuries they can we'll come see. back they can come back yeah, yeah they sure. got the extra game this year so there's still time to come back and you know get a playoff spot sure could happen could happen anyway. i hope it, i hope so that'd be entertaining so um speaking of baseball yeah and this is this is going to be like the best segue you've ever heard. Wow! See, see now when you set it up, the expectations like that. That's just, this is this is going to be great. Speaking that's of bad baseball, broadcasting, right there, man. Speaking of baseball, which we were a few minutes ago. You know, yeah. baseball is like the one sport where people are always saying, like, "Oh, I love baseball because you know, my dad got it." Reminds me of my dad or my grandpa or right. You know, my dad took me to Fenway Park. I've seen Yaz play. You know. Right. For you and your dad, it's a multi generational experience. Absolutely. Well, well more yeah. Than, well, more than any other sport. Well, you you just tell like by the way the stories are told, right? Like with basketball, it's hey, I was there the night that like Jordan had the hundred hundred two degree fever and just dropped forty points. Or in in hockey, it's man, I had to wear gloves. Or in <laughs> in in bat in you know whatever other sport it is, it's in football. It's man when Emmett like just made that final run. I mean, it's, it's always the event, right. That you're talking about. Yeah. But like what you just said, when people talk about baseball, it was like, man, I'll never forget. My dad took me to Fenway and O'Neill hit one out and it was just, you know, the best day of my life. But like, but, but it's not like that, you know, Paul O'Neill hit one out. It's that, you know, my dad took me to whatever it was yeah. and yeah, for sure. So it's a multi-generational sport unlike any other. Yeah. You know what we're going to talk about today on the podcast, Matt? Multi-generational sports? Multi-generational Christian living. Oh, what, right. Because what, because what a Matt, segue. Talk Church. Yeah. What a segue. Yeah, that's at least in the top third of segues. Yeah. <laughs> you like how I set that up. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. you know what would be a better segue? What? If we just took a commercial break and came back and started this thing all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a nice fall day here so go get yourself a nice hot cup of apple cider and we'll be right back and we'll actually talk church for a change hey we're back it's matt and kevin we are we're i was gonna say we're still talking church but we haven't really talked church yet 
So, but we're planning to talk church really soon. And what we'd like to talk about today is the idea of multi-generational Christian living or multi-generational worship, which simply means that the Christian life is multi-generational. It, it, is, it has to do with families. It has to do with people who are older than us, younger than us. It has to do with the community of God's people who span the ages, right? From the, the littlest among us to the oldest among us. Yeah. And there's something about the way that the Lord has set up his people and the church that incorporates this generational, multi-generational aspect. Yeah. And we see it even built into some of the epistles when Paul's instructing Titus or others. Yeah. And he gives instructions for the different sort of demographics that are there. Right. The younger men do this. The older men do that. The younger women, the older women. The way I would say it is that the New Testament, it doesn't command it, command it. It just kind of assumes it. Right, right. Like it, like it doesn't go, and so you shall be multi-generational, but it's just, it's operating on the assumption that, of course, you're going to have, you're going to, you know, value the experience of older people, and you're going to train up younger people, and you're going to um, be patient with uh, those who doubt, and you're going to, like all of that stuff is just kind of. Right. And part of that is because. In any given town, Ephesus or whatever it is, there's probably just one church. It's not like, it's not like you had options. Yeah. Or just geographically and logistically, right. like you didn't have the option to hop in your car and drive 20 minutes to church, right. a church that suited you. Right. You, know, you this, this is who you got. Like this is your neighborhood or your town and, and this is your church. And so it's going to reflect the demographics of your locale. Yeah, whatever uh, that might be. A, a really good example of that would be like the church at Philippi, where it's just a really different and diverse church. So you, you if you want to look at that, you can look at Acts 16 and you've got like Lydia, who's super wealthy. Right. You've got a Roman jailer. Right. So he's like an enemy of you know the people, basically. And then you've got this this teenage girl who was demon possessed and was freed by right. Paul, like sort of all. There's there's your church plant. <laughs> like, I mean, talk about like just a hodgepodge, like miss, like mismatch of like just a weird group of people. Yeah. And yeah. what's interesting to me, and again, I didn't plan this, but when you get into Philippians, like it doesn't have the same tone as Galatians where he's like, what white, hot, angry. Right. right. Um, he's it's man, I love you guys. And the reason I love you is because you're you're contending for the gospel with me from the first day until now. And so here's this like really diverse group of people and that's the church that seems to be the healthiest in all of paul's letters you know right. like that right just interesting so i think i think you can read too much into that i suppose um but it's not nothing right yeah like the the diversity there i think is part of is part of what makes it work and meaningful yeah yeah so again i would assert that multi-generational worship and multi-generational christian living is the norm uh, as you said, it's sort of the assumed way that the New Testament is written. Um, yeah. And I think in our day and age, you know, because we do have options, uh, it's not necessarily assumed anymore, but it's something that I would say is to be sought after, yeah. to be sought out and uh, worked toward. Now, I think we have several things that kind of work against that, at least in our, in our kind of you know, cultural moment, is one, we, everything's so specialized these days. Well, I think I think what I think part of what we do is we've taken a um, we've taken our cues from the business world where 
we, we look at demographics and think, okay, like life stages are going to want to be together. And there's some truth to that. It's not like there's no value in having like a young marriage class or something, but, but I do think you lose something like when you behave as though married people and single people have nothing to offer each other. Right. You know, like there's a mistake in that years ago when I was in charge of a, uh, a young adults ministry at a large church, we intentionally didn't make it a singles ministry because we wanted married people and single people rubbing shoulders. Right. Um, and so that, that was built into our strategy. I think similarly with young and old people, when you think, Hey, this person who's a grandparent doesn't remember what it's like to have little kids. So I'm not going to put them in a small group with this young couple. I think that's an opportunity lost and might even be uh, a workaround of Titus's admonishment that the older women teach younger women and younger men. And I mean, all of that, like, I think if we are so focused on life stage, we can really hamstring some of the things that God wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all gifted in certain ways, certainly. And, but even different age groups, they just tend to have different things to offer, right? Generally speaking, different perspective, different perspective, different things to offer. And, and so the more that we, you know, can, can connect and cross pollinate, um, the more that we can serve one another and help one another and support one another. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we're, you know, we're so specialized and it's like, okay, well, we want to cater to a certain demographic. And the best yeah. way to do that is to you know do X, Y, and Z. And so we do that, but then we lose everything else. Um, yeah. And sometimes the churches kind of fall into that trap as well. Yeah. Uh, to our detriment, I believe. Sure. So, I mean, look, if you're a young person listening and you can define young person, however you want. I'm a young we're, person. We're, yeah, we're young. Um, yeah. <laughs> narrator, narrator. No, they aren't. <laughs> This is this is when the voiceover comes in and says, "Yeah, no, they are not." Yeah, <laughs> but young, you know, if you're young and you're listening, like one of the things that will do you well in your Christian life and will grow you up, go find someone with gray hair, and pursue a relationship with them, and listen yeah. listen to them and listen to their life story, and they're going to have things to offer that you're not going to get from anyone else in your peer group get a, a perspective and wisdom that you just don't get otherwise. I mean, I, I can think of people, even when I was in college still, some older people in the church that I wouldn't say I did a great job at this, by the way, but, but I did get to rub shoulders a little bit with some, some older people in the church. And this is one couple in particular, they were great about like having college kids over and everyone loved them. You know what I mean? And they, in part, because they were just like, so different than the people we normally hung out with. And they were just kind and they were wise and they had seen life and they had lived life. And, you know, we just weren't going to get that from anyone else in our life. No, I think that's good. I, th- I think like your admonishment to young people there is really uh, wise and excellent. I would just also admonish, you know, it's easy sometimes for uh, our older saints to think I'm not useful or I don't have anything to offer, or now it's time for the younger generation to take over or whatever, whatever language you want to put to that. But I, I would say older saints, man, per- pursue younger saints and invite yeah. them over to dinner. Like, like this couple you just, you just described or out to coffee or to play golf or whatever it is you're doing. And just do it with a younger person and talk about your life. Like it doesn't take any like skill necessarily. Um, you don't have to be super like, you know, I mean, again, you think, man, I better have something really wise to say and saying wise things is good, but I think just being present can help a lot. 
Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, when I was just starting out, here were some mistakes I made. Um, yeah. You know, and I just think uh, just offering yourself can really make a giant difference. So older saints, uh, you know, be about the pursuit yeah. of, of the younger people in your body. You know, when I was a youth pastor, this is going back, this is going back, you know, a ways, of course, when I was still young enough to be a youth pastor, now I'm too old, but anyway, um, <laughs> it, one of the really neat programs we had is we had like older, like grandparent age people um, paired up with kids in our youth group to pray for them. And what would happen is, is the older saint would like call the youth group kid and like ask him how it's going and how they can be praying for you. And admittedly, like at first it was always super awkward yeah, and hard. Yeah. Um, but once they got past that, a lot of times it just developed in this really neat relationship between, and, and what it helped, what it did two things. It, it helped our teens not go, Oh, they're just old and irrelevant, you know? Right. Right. And I think it made our older saints less suspicious of teenagers. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah. like it was just this neat kind of symbiotic relationship that ended up, that ended up happening. Yeah. Why? Cause they were just praying for them. Right. Broke like, down some walls. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just a neat thing. Yeah. 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 I think it's difficult. Well, for both, for both ends of the spectrum to connect and, and to assume that the other end even wants, wants this. Right. I'm, I'm sure there's some older folks who, and I've heard this and I've kind of thought this myself sometimes, do these teenagers or these 20 somethings even really care? Like if I pursue them, are they just going to laugh me off? They might, I don't know. They might, but more often than not, I think we're surprised at how much they appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and as you and I both know, just because it looks like a teenager isn't listening, it right. isn't taking anything in looks can be deceiving on that score. Right. Right. So that's the approaches from a, a couple of different angles. One, let's approach it from the angle of you're in a church. Maybe you're even in church leadership and you want your church to be better about multi, being multi-generational. What are some ways we can go about doing that? Or what are some pitfalls to avoid perhaps to, uh, to avoid becoming uh, too <laughs> monocultural? Yeah. Well, I think, one of the things we just talked about, like with regard to your small group ministry or your community groups or your, you know, ABFs or whatever your mechanism is for adult education, it can be too easy to get sucked into the, well, we have to have life, like, like life stages together only and ever all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that there's no place for that, but I don't think the error most churches are making is that they don't have those spaces. It's that they have only those spaces. Right. Um, and so, uh, I think um, you just have to assume that you're going to have to work against that. So intentionally, when you're making your small groups, have young people and old people in them. And listen, your, your people initially might fight against it. They might go, no, I'd really rather be with other people who've been married for 40 years, or I'd rather be with other people who have, who are, you know, have young kids like me or whatever, and be prepared for, for there to be challenges like childcare and how you're going to figure all that stuff out. But I think if you like cast a vision for your people, no, this is what the church is supposed to be like. And I think you have something to learn from them and they have something to learn from you. So why don't we just try it for a season? I think you might find that they're hesitant to give it up once they've tried it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I think just uh, having mechanisms or places where you're intentionally multi-generational yeah. um, can go a long way towards that. And that's not to say, I mean, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, that it's somehow inherently wrong to have a small group, especially um, that's, you know, uh, kind of a life stage sort of group. 
Yeah. So the, the problem isn't that you have one of those every now and then, or it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to get all the whatever empty nesters together in a group. Um, but the problem I think becomes when that becomes, when that becomes the norm and that spills over into the larger church context. Well, and I think in the West, that is the norm. Like, I, I, I think we flipped it for the most part. I mean, is that true across the board? Someone's going to write in and go, well, at my church, we do it. Well, that's awesome. Super glad your church is doing it right. But, but, but I think we tend to shy away from it. I think especially like we try and hide aging as though aging doesn't really happen, not just in our church, but in, in America. Um, and so I think having older people and younger people rub shoulders is just, it's countercultural in that sense, like in, in a good way. Yeah. And one of the ways that the church should be different is that we honor our older saints, which I think also like leads, leads to, and again, I'm probably going to step on some toes here, but, but, but what else is new? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's worth considering like your worship liturgy and are you only catering to preferences of one generation or another or, yep. or, or are you having, it does your liturgy like, give both generations or both the, the spectrum of generations an opportunity to go, okay, this is different and a challenge for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so I think doing some of that on purpose and being intentional with that um, can be, can, can help foster some of that too. So that's one of those things where if you find yourself in a mono generational church setting, right. You might want to consider what, what does your liturgy look like? What kind of what style of music are you playing? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that that might help answer the question of why you're only attracting one generation or another. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that goes both ways. All right, that goes both ways. If it looks like, uh, you know, a, a concert and it's dark and it's whatever, then don't be surprised if you only attract people who are you know in their twenties and thirties. If it's extremely traditional then don't be surprised if you don't attract people in their twenties and thirties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. See, and for me, I like, I'm less interested in whether people are doing a quote contemporary or like what I find though, when people mark their thing contemporary, they're playing stuff that was popular when I was a youth and right. that's not contemporary, but that's a whole separate, like <laughs> that's, that's right. a whole separate like discussion. I, I, I'm less interested in like, whether it's like hymns or what, you know, not hymns or whatever way you want to look at that. Um, and more like, are you giving thought to what's going to appeal to the different people in your particular church? Like, are you listening to feedback from both younger and older people and well, trying to find But if you don't have any younger right. or don't have any, then you're not getting any right. feedback. Then, then that's talked, something you would I've look at. I've talked to people who are like, we really want more young people in our church. And you look at their liturgy and it's like, no one is ever going to come to this church who right. you're trying, you say you're trying to attract. Right. But you have to be willing to actually do things to attract them. Right. Well, and you have to give the people who are already there a vision for that. Okay, older people, you have to have a like vision for the next generation. But the flip side of that is you also have to help your younger people go, okay, but like older does not mean over. And right. well, and I've spoken and, to people and, that are in churches where they're it's all twenty like, somethings and they we want older people. We we need more mature seasoned saints in our congregation. It's like you do. But think about what you're doing on Sunday morning. And there's a reason why none of them are coming to this church. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it goes both ways for sure. Yeah. I, I think on, I think on both ends, there's like a danger of adopting an attractional model. Yes. And so that, which again, is a whole other discussion. Right. Um, that we don't, that we don't have time for. We can talk about that another time. Right. Um, 
but 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 I think I'm just saying give thought. I'm not saying market to one or the other. I'm saying be thoughtful in what you're doing. Right, exactly. And what you said yeah. earlier, it might need a variety of ways in which you worship. Yeah. People worship in different ways. Yeah. And you know, we can um we can be sensitive to that. Yeah. Not just have one style or one, you know, whatever. Uh, and yeah. the more diverse of a region that you live in, uh, hopefully the more diverse your church is. Yeah. Um, and if you really want to reach your locale, then you're going to have to operate in more diverse ways. Yeah. So uh, just to recap what we've said, if you're in church leadership, can think, give careful thought to how you set up your adult Bible, your adult education, right? And, and having that be intentionally multi-generational instead of just based on life stage. Again, all the caveats, not to say never, ever do life stage ministry, but just don't only do that. So be thoughtful about that. And point two is consider your liturgy and think about that. Um, it sounds like I'm saying, remember your baptism. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying <laughs> consider your liturgy and think carefully yeah. about, is that ministering to the plurality of people who you, who you either have in your congregation or want to see in your congregation? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll throw in one more there, too, as yeah. well. I mean, you can set up just like social events, like most churches have some sort of social events from time to time. Yeah. And you can set those up in ways that are, you know, attractive to multi-generations. Yeah. Uh, if you do a social event and you don't offer childcare, well, guess what? <laughs> uh, they're, they're not coming. Um, if you do, you know what I mean? I mean, again, yeah. we, can, we can go through the whole list here, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you have to be intentional about how you set them up so that you are attracting people of different, different age groups and different stages of life and different like interests. You know, you can think about that with men's and women's groups too. If, if your men's groups only does certain kinds of activities, then there are going to be some men that just don't feel like they're a part. Yep. Um, so again, just be really thoughtful in how you do some of those extracurricular and social things, because those can go a long way uh, towards building relationships. And we all, we've all had that experience of people that we've gone to church with for years, but then you wind up sitting down with them at some random social event and talking for an hour. And you're like, oh my goodness, yeah. like, we just had more conversation in an hour than we have in like five years going to church together. Yeah. Those are, the, that's sort of the... Uh, the benefit of just having social events from time to time and just be thoughtful about how to foster a multi-generational dynamic when doing that. I'm going to add one more thing. We keep saying one more thing, we're, but that's very <laughs> Paul of us, isn't it? And finally, and then goes on for more and more. So we're just following Paul as he follows Christ. But anyway, I think who you have up front makes a difference. So have a mix of younger and older people reading scripture. Um, you know what I mean? Like people go to a church and they look for people like them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just human nature. Like, I don't know that that's bad. That's just how like we are. And so if you never have a young person on stage um, reading or in any kind of doing announcements or anything like that, young people are going to be like, there's no one like me here. And similarly, if, if there's never an older person, you know, doing the scripture reading or the call to worship or whatever your thing is, um, I think that's just going to, I think, say, okay, they don't value that those voices here. Yeah. Um, and so I think being intentional about that. Yeah. And depending on what your church context is, even have, even have women do some of that too. Well, absolutely. Or I, well, we, whatever diversity you're looking for, you have right. to put people like that on stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So let's look at this maybe from one other angle. And that is you're looking for a church. 
for whatever reason, you've moved to a new town. Hopefully that's the only reason you're looking for a new church. That's a whole other podcast, but you're looking for a new church in in a new town and some things to look for. And obviously we're saying, look for a church that's multi-generational and not just for a church that's just everyone there, you know, whatever, 80% of the people there are all in your age stage and season of life. Because again, we need that diversity to help us understand and to support us through the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, maybe intentionally pick a place where there's less people like you. Like, and you might, maybe that's something you have to feel called to do. I don't know, but like, I, I just think there can be benefit to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, you yeah. know, what, when I was in college, I went to a church that had a lot of college students. Yeah. I mean, not all obviously, but, uh, but you know, it was a good percentage uh, were college students. When I was in Colorado, I started going to a church. I'd gone there three times and it was kind of the church where all the 20 somethings in town went. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I went there a few times and I met with the pastor and he said, this is kind of what I'm looking for in a church. Here's my background. And he actually recommended a different church, which I thought was like really big of a pastor to do is to recommend yeah. another church. And I went to this other church and it was small, you know, 50 people, um, one or two other people there, like my age. Eh, maybe a few more than that, but but not many. Like it definitely was not like the cool 20-something church like the other one was. And that's where I wound up going to church. And actually, that's where I met um, Jason Stride, who was on the podcast a few months ago. But anyway, like it, it was it was good. It was good for me to be um, a smaller church kind of helped me just to get to know everybody and really be a part of things, even as a 20-something. And it was it was just good for me to interact with um, like families. And older people as a 25, six-year-old single guy. Um, I still had plenty of friends that went to other churches and plenty of friends out who didn't go to church at all, but it was good for me to kind of worship, to have my more immediate church community be of a more of a family, multi-generational setting. And I, and I like to think that they appreciated the fact that there were at least a few of us, 20-somethings as well, you know, single yeah. and just kind of, uh, you know, mixing in with, with that church family. Yeah. You know, I can't really speak to like my own experiences with that because look, I grew up in a pastor's family and I went to churches that my dad worked at. Um, and then there were just a few years in college where I was choosing where I was going to go to church. But then after that, I was in seminary and I was interning at a church. And so I've kind of been, and now I work, you know, the church I choose to go to in the community is the one I'm the pastor of. So, <laughs> so like, uh, oh, like, I, I, I mean, my, my whole like life experience is a little different. I will say Anita, uh, when she was on staff at, with crew at the university of Idaho, she chose to go to a church where she was literally the only young person there. Yeah. Um, cause she just felt like that's what she needed to do. Partly was part of it was she didn't want to go to the same church that all the other staff people were going to. Cause I think yeah. she wanted some separation, a little between, bit of break. Yeah. 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 Between her and the, she didn't want, she didn't want church to feel like she was at work, I think. Um, right. But like, it, I think it, like she was really ministered to by that church and they really like, I think she really ministered to them. Yeah. I mean, her, just her presence there. And I remember I went to church with her there um, when we were dating and I'm like, where, what, what's with all these old people? That's weird. <laughs> but just, but just like seeing how she was with them was really, I mean, it was neat. It was a neat thing. Yeah. We, we reflected on that a lot in the years past. So yeah, I think giving some consideration to the, the makeup of the church. Right. Um, right. And not just, are there 
are there other kids for my kids to play with? Um, yeah. As important as that is. Yeah. I mean, is children's there... ministry is a whole other, you know, whole other thing where people choose churches based on where their kids will be happy. Which lasts about three years and then their needs change. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, there, there's a problem with doing it that yeah. way, but that, again, that's a different podcast. We could do a whole podcast on reasons like bad reasons people pick where they go to church. Yeah. Maybe next week, but like, but, but that's, just so like one of the it, concerns I have when I see a church that's just, you know, 80 or 80 or 90% or hundred percent, like all one demographic. Yeah. Now, the problem with that, if you're going to join, if you're looking for a church and you're like, okay, well, that's where all of the uh, people in my stage of life go. That's where I'm going to go. That's going to change in five or 10 years. Yeah. Like that church is not going to be the same. You're not going to be the same. And then, and then, and then what do you do? You don't want to go to a church that's like basically planned obsolescence. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I mean, the church may change in a, you know, in adapt in a good and healthy way. And, and that's, that's great. But also, I just know, like, and I've heard this before when I was in, again, when I was in Colorado, someone showed up at our church and, and was like, oh, yeah, we, we, you know, I've been going to, I won't say the name of the church, but it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of where everyone goes after they graduate from CU, you know, all the Christians at CU, that's, that's where they all go. And then after a few years, you sort of grow out of it and you want to move on to something else. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a sad indictment <laughs> yeah. of that church that just so catered to this one demographic, but like. Like after a few years, you just sort of grow out of it. Yeah. You're ready to go somewhere either a little more that goes a little deeper or just, you know, wh whatever the words were they put around it. Um, yeah. But like, don't be that church. that just kind of has like a, a super tight niche. Like the, you don't, you don't, you, that's not going to serve you well in the long run. Yeah. Like that might be fine for like a small group or just a group of friends or a fellowship group or something. Yeah. Where you just have like all of your same, interests or your same stage of life. And that's good. You walk through that together, but you need the full body of Christ. Yeah. And you need all the diversity that you can get to be well, fully supported the way that we're intended to be. Some of this goes to like a wrong orientation of how we even think about what church is for. Yeah. Um, like, so we tend to think I go to church. I mean, no one says it like this, of course, like no one says, no one's as brazen about it. Well, at least not very many people there's a way of thinking about it. It's like, Hey, I need to go to this church because it has all the things that I need. Right. Or it has what my kids need, or, you know, it's, it's, it's very a place where I can be poured into. It's a lot of the I, I, Mimi's, right. Yeah. But not very many people are thinking about where can I go where my gifts will be used <laughs> and where I can serve and where I can pour myself out. Um, I just don't think we have that orientation very often. Like we, not often you get a pe people who go, you know what? There's nothing for kids here. And instead of just running for the doors, they go, maybe I should consider ministering to children right. and starting something, right. or there's nothing for young adults here. Well, then I'm out of here. Or instead of, you know, well, maybe this is, maybe this is where God has me so I can get something like that going. Or yeah. the youth group is suffering. Okay. Well then we're out because our kids need, or, I mean, yeah. And I also think, and this is a separate, I think centering your decisions about church around what your kids need teaches something to your children, right? Namely that they're at the center of your spiritual life. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that your, your kids needs should not be a consideration at all, but if that's, what's driving where you worship, I think there, I think that that's revelatory of something's going on with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that need to be considered. Yeah. So two things based yeah. on that, um, the problem with the I, I, me, me, this is what I want. This is what's 
I'm looking for two problems. One, that's just inherently selfish, of course. But two is we, we tend to be very bad judges uh, about what we actually need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I need this. And it might be, well, that you want that or have a felt need for that. But what you really need is the multi-generational church. Right. Like you think you want that, but what you really need is something else. Like we're just not very good judges about what we really yeah. need. And so that's just a bad indicator. Like don't follow your heart. Like that's terrible advice because our hearts in general, not just with picking our hearts are, our hearts are terrible. They are deceitful above all else is what it says. Like, yeah, don't, don't listen to your heart. Despite what all the pop songs say, it's just, you know what it is. Don't listen to your heart. It doesn't like rhyme very well. So no one's writing that song. (laughs) Right. So the other thing is when I moved back to Vermont, when I was 29 from Colorado, back to Vermont, I went to a church that had a few young people, but not many, but that was okay because there was a, a fellowship group of kind of young adults, mostly young adults, kind of regionally, like within the whole upper valley, who went to probably three, four, five different churches. Yeah. And because there's only a handful of young adults in any of those churches, we all kind of found each other eventually and kind of had our own fellowship group that met, I forget, you know, once a week or once every two weeks or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's where I met Paul I know Coates, who all Matt those Jones people are and, anyway. You know, several <laughs> others and um, yeah. some that I'm still in touch with. And, um, you know, so it's like, if you think I need my church to be where I hang out with all my friends, then again, like that's not what church is necessarily designed to be. And one, you probably aren't thinking correctly about what you actually need and well, want out of your church. But two, there's also, there's other venues for doing that. Yeah. You know, like, same in Colorado, like Chris Christensen, who you, you've met, was at my wedding yep. and, and Vance, like they went to other churches, but we still hung out. Like I still got those sort of needs met uh, of just sort of peers and fellowship and just hanging out kind of stuff in other ways. But I was really, I was really grateful for my church um, that didn't have as many young people, but uh, was good for me in so many other ways. So uh, I'm going to suggest something crazy. All right, here we go. Oh boy. It's, it's nuts. Buckle up. So when you're deciding where you want to go to church, this is, this is revolutionary. You ready? Pray and ask God, is this where you would have me be? And then trust him to meet whatever your felt needs are. Because then it takes all the pressure off of like, you know, you going, oh, man, I got to meet my kids' needs. I got to make sure there's something for my, you know, teenage daughter. I got to make sure there's something for my eight-year-old son. Man, there's got to be a good men's group because I got to get my husband to do whatever. I mean, whatever it is. And, and instead yeah. of focusing on all that, it can just be about, okay, God, you came not to serve, but to be served. I mean, I mean, not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And, and, and I want to follow you in that. And so is this a place you'd have me be? And, and, and I trust you to, to meet whatever needs. I trust that this body you give to me will do that. It'll be enough. Yeah. If you go to a church because it meets your felt needs, someday those needs are going to change or they're not going to meet them anymore. And then you're right. looking for another church. Right. And that's just a constant cycle. Well, and it, it's the reverse of what the Christian life is supposed to be about. It's not right. about right. like having your needs met. It's about meeting others' needs. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, the, the, the picture I used to give my youth group kids just to go back to, you know, youth group analogies, because, you know, that just seems to be the theme today. I, I did this thing where I brought like I had a cup in front of me. Right. And I said, so often we're like trying to get our cup filled. Right. Make me feel good. Fill my cup when what we ought to be doing is trying to pour into other people's cups. And if we approach church that way and everybody does it, you know what happens? 
everybody's cup gets full, right? Yeah. That's what, ha- that's what happens. Yeah. A- approaching church from a, is it going to have what I need? I'm not saying that's a totally irrelevant question. Cause I think that's, too, that's a ditch on the other side, right? There can be some recklessness involved with that. Um, but that should not be the first question. That's like the second, third or fourth question. Is this, is, is the word being proclaimed there? Is it being taught? <laughs> you know, is it, is it, is it a place I can serve and use my gifts? I mean, those kinds of questions. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, kind of, you know, again, wrapping this up a little bit and getting back on our theme, I think the, the new Testament encouragement and really just assumption is that churches will be multi-generational uh, that the demographics of churches will reflect the demographics of the locale in which it's located. Yeah. And we should strive toward that. And th- there's yeah. good that will come from having that. And so yeah. as church leaders, as those looking for churches, as lay people, be looking to nurture a multi-generational and, you know, again, as diverse as your locale is body of Christ. Yeah. So just to tie it into what we were just talking about, like not having a consumeristic approach, it's hard to pursue both a consumerism mindset and a multi-generational body. Like it's hard to, it's hard to pursue both of those at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a roadblock to your experiencing all that God has for you. Well, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin talk church. We hope that what you've heard has been helpful and edifying in some way. If you have questions you'd like us to answer or topics you'd like us to discuss, you can always email us at mattandkevintalkchurch at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at MKTC. Although the people following us on Twitter, I'm not super thrilled with you right now. So, you know, but... <laughs> Vote Matt for Biggest Nerd. No, it's, it's already done. It's, it's over. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that being said... I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin, the lesser of the nerds. And we've been talking church and multi-generational Christian living. Be warm and be fed. <laughs>